Hey everyone, how you doing? It's Peter here and it's time, it is time for the PDG Advertising Podcast episode 23 for Tuesday the 21st of May 2019. So this morning we had a wonderful call and if you've been listening over the past, goodness if this is the 23rd episode then there have been three weeks worth of these and this is coming into week four of the podcast so you might be getting to know the rhythm of the kind of calls that I'm having and how that's working out and if you do remember this time last week we had a call with um, one of our oldest customers um, women's health brand um, all across the other side of the world in Australia and one of the big topics today was Gmail marketing. So if you hear me talking about Google AdWords on the podcast, normally we're talking about search. Other times we're talking about display. And sometimes we're talking about Google shopping. But Google being the all-seeing big G, as a lot of people call it, um, has another way of getting in front of your eyeline if you are a gmail user you will possibly have seen adverts pop up on your gmail um, it happens as the first email that you open on your list of emails interestingly it doesn't happen for me anymore because our gmail account is run as a corporate account under google suite so it means we don't see those adverts and Oddly, that is a bit of a problem because we need to be able to see what's happening on adverts in order to create effective adverts. So what we're doing for our customers, we we experimented with this about a year ago. And this is actually one of the greatest things about, one of the great things about this customer, of which there are many, that we try stuff out, that we we have a core of 80% of doing what we know works and doing it over and over again. And then 20% of time is spent experimenting, tasting new things and finding out what works in different areas. So what we're doing is we did last year uh, um, an experiment on Gmail adverts to see if we could get in front of people. Now it went okay. The results weren't necessarily there. We got a lot of clicks and in Gmail advertising it's opens. Um, And it gets quite complex this. But what I want to share is what we're going to do for this customer and what we're doing is we're going to match up gmail adverts to a part of the customer life cycle so whenever a customer hasn't purchased for a while um, and they're due to purchase again what we're going to do is we're going to put an advert into their gmail and we're going to get in front of that customer we're going to do that by uploading an audience to google ads and then we're going to match the advert to that audience. Um, I want to do it dynamically, but I'm not sure if we can. I'm not even sure if we can actually upload an audience in order to advertise Gmail adverts. There are some rules in Google Ads that mean that you can't... Like, for example, if you have a health product, you can't retarget. So um, the audience that you create has cannot be one that has visited your website before. So it's quite possible that the ad, that the advert that we're trying to create and the audience that we're trying to advertise it to 
will not be allowed. So we will need to reverse from that and we will need to go up a level to people who have shown interest in, our, in adverts or in topics of a similar nature to what we're, what we're talking about, which is women's health. So, and the reason why I'm telling you this is just to let you know our process a little bit where while we're not 100% sure how that's going to work, we know that we'll figure it out and we know through our experience that we'll work it out and that we'll get the best possible solution for the customer because we're prepared to dive in and check it out and see what's going on on it and see how we can use it to our customer's advantage. And who wouldn't want that? Um, we're really pushing the boundaries of what we are doing and what our customer can do. So I'm really looking forward to um, exploring that and working on creating a great solution that touches another eyeline of the customer in somewhere where they're very familiar, which is Gmail. So doing a little bit of design work today and there was something that came up um, between myself and Anthony and we were discussion, discussing because he created a really excellent design and I was like, mm, that's not really how people normally do it. And then we both took a step back and I, think I said, uh, well, is that really what we want? Do we want to be normal? Uh, do we want to be the norm? And I, I don't think we do. I think one of the most important things is that we stand out for what we do. And that's certainly something that we're, we're trying to do with our design. So just because people normally put a button somewhere doesn't mean that we're going to. Just because people normally put a um, navigational bar at the top doesn't mean that we're going to. Why can't it go somewhere else? And, and that's something that I think is quite important, that we're open to other possibilities and other, other opportunities. So should we always follow the norm? Definitely not. I don't think so. And it's something that we should push and, and try different things. Like just what I was saying about the Gmail ads, that's not the norm. Um, that's a very unsophisticated part of Google Ads. And yet we're dipping into it to find out what's going on in there and see how we can potentially use it on behalf of our customers. And that is very much part of the PDG advertising format mantra and how we try to go about things to use new technology on behalf of our customers in the best possible way. Something else came up and I hope she doesn't mind me uh, messaging or um, mentioning her on the podcast, but on LinkedIn, I saw something that was just horrendous. I've mentioned a couple of times, my dad is a driving instructor. I'm hypersensitive to these type of things. And there was a lady, Christine Watson, training matchmaker who talked about seeing people doing these talking videos on LinkedIn, which in all honesty, I mean, a lot of them, like, I don't know, I don't really understand them. I don't understand the, I don't understand the culture. I mean, I, I think whenever I'm, you know, creating a piece of content here, you're just getting it raw. You're getting a raw feature and a raw feel of what's going on on in the PDG advertising universe. And there are some LinkedIn videos that I see that are just excellent, just really good. Um, some people on there that I see on my LinkedIn that are that are just head and shoulders above the rest. But then the vast, vast majority, there's about 95% of the LinkedIn videos that I see that are, are, have a, are on a spectrum of just 
not useful. Don't teach me anything. Don't add any value to my world. To the ones that are delusional. To ones that are, you know, these gurus that have popped up. These 18-year-old life coaches that pop up. These... Um, gurus that pop up claiming wild success but yet you have to pay two thousand dollars or pounds to get onto their course where you'll where you learn about things and and then you end up doing these videos in the car of you you know talking about how inspired you are and how you know great everything is and how wonderful everything is and and while you're doing it you're not focused on the road, on these cars. So let's take a step back just so we can rewind and so I can tell you what I'm actually annoyed about here. The Christine um, Watson said about how someone shouldn't be, um, she made a comment about how people should not be taking videos of themselves while driving and posting it online. Um, you're not focused on the road. If it's not illegal, which I think it should be, it's certainly not ethical in my book. Um, and I've seen two of them today, created today. And I think that it's a really big problem. I think that if you're that focused on creating a LinkedIn video, do it somewhere where you're not endangering the lives of other people. It is the scariest thing to know that there are people out there doing that. And I would suggest that people stop doing it immediately. And I would suggest that if someone has told you to do that or you're doing it because you've seen another guru do it, then think about what you're doing and, and don't follow these people that are, you know, doing that or suggesting that you should do it because it's all, it's all, it's a bad idea. Surely it's a bad idea. Surely there's no logical person that could say that it's a good idea to take a video of yourself and be recording in the car as you're going going along do you think you're getting some efficiency of time while doing that is your efficiency going to be cut short when in that split second that you look to the camera to make sure that it's recording or whenever it um, pops up with a notification that a child runs out in front of your car and you kill them does that does that is that efficient is is that an efficient use of your time i don't think it is and look, this, this is getting a bit dark and a bit deep, but that's the reality. That's what happens. So think twice about doing that. Stop doing it. Don't do it. And don't tell other people to do it. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who your guru is that you pick. Um, it's really interesting that Tony, Tony Robinson, or Tony Robbins, that guy, um, I would have listened to some of his stuff uh, before, and I thought it was really good. And then recently I've just I've seen a lot more stuff, a balanced view of it. Talked about the filter bubble before of of how Tony Robbins is, is very aggressive towards um women. Um and I, I think that on a balanced view I, I don't think that he is the guru for me. And I don't think that he's a a strong role model or someone to you know, look up to because because of his actions and because of his public actions. And if his public actions are like that, what are his private actions like? And I, I think that's a potential problem. So that's something that I think is quite, quite important to choose your gurus wisely. Um, look them up, find out what they've done um, 
and be careful of who you take advice from, especially if that person is bringing you to the point of doing a video in a car, a lethal weapon that you could kill someone in while you're focusing on getting your five minutes of fame on on LinkedIn. Whew, it's a bit salty that one, wasn't it? It's a bit, <laughs> a bit aggressive, some would say. Um, but yeah, that's how it is. Tell you what, today I had a real compliment. I don't know if it's a compliment or not, but it was an interesting thing that a customer said. We're in the final processes of signing up a new customer. Really cannot wait to work with this guy um, and his company. It's uh, it's really cool. It's based over in Australia in Perth, and um, it's it's a company that I look forward to showing off to you guys whenever we get there. Pick up and again on the podcast. It's not good. Um, but he said something that's really interesting. So, uh, in order to you know negotiation and going through contracts and going through uh, the sales process can take a really long time. I'm not into that. I'm into finding out what it takes to onboard this customer and what it takes to make this customer a customer of mine. Um, and I am not trying. I, we never try to force sell but we ask very direct questions so one of the questions um that i asked today was what is in the way of us becoming uh of you becoming a client of ours and the guy the customer said uh, wow you're really good with these nlp questions and i have never taken an nlp course in my life i, I don't even like the term nlp neuro-linguistic programming i don't like anything about it um, I know that it's a Tony Robbins thing. It's interesting that that's come up in this podcast already today. But no, no NLP for PDG advertising and no NLP for um, Peter Doak. I don't know if that'll change in the future because I don't know enough about it. But I, I really don't like the idea of trying to program someone or me being programmed or anything like that. I, I just used an honest question of what would... What is, hold, what is holding us back from you becoming a customer. And why I'm asking that is so I can remove the barrier. So if it's a price thing, if it's a time thing, whatever whatever it is, and it turns out that there is literally nothing and that customer will likely become a customer in the in the coming days. Um, so I thought it was quite interesting though that they thought it was a NLP thing and really wasn't. It's was just an honest um question but I, I quite enjoyed it being mistaken for an, an NLP comment wow there are some really salty topics coming up today I don't know why today has been a really a really great day we've got so much done and using Asana we've got so efficient and um, one other thing I actually do always listen to Jordan Peterson's podcast and he said something recently on one of them that was really really hit home with me about efficient people and efficiency he said, you have no idea how efficient, efficient people get. And I think using Asana is a way to step up your efficiency. Asana is a task management platform and it helps you keep organized with the things that you need to, to do. And the way I've been using it recently has just, it's just skyrocketed my ability to execute and do things really quickly. So that is, that is useful. <laughs> Now here's the thing that didn't go so well today. Um, we're doing a little bit of work with one of the councils in Northern Ireland. In order to um, get paid by the councils, we need to have signed timesheets. Um, now I get it. I understand that, you know, we need to um, show what we're doing and need to get it officially done. 
but the red tape is just unbelievable because we sent through, <laughs> I got told that they needed to be signed and sent through. So I e-signed them on the computer so that I didn't have to sign them, scan them in and, and then print them out again and then get them, get them sent out. Um, whenever I s sent over a e-signature from the computer, um, the client rep, who was perfectly lovely by the way, she said, no, you need to get that signed and uh, scan. You need to get that signed and post it off to me. And I thought, what an archaic way of doing it. I have done, the efficiency here is just not there. I have done that. I have sent, I've signed it off. It's me, it's my name. You know who it is. And I sent it off via computer um, signature. So it should be fine, but it's not. So <laughs> I then said, right, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna print this out, I'm gonna sign it, and then I'm gonna scan it back in, and I'm gonna send it over via email so I don't have to post it off. Because the amount of time that it takes to post something off is just insane. If people, if everybody in Northern Ireland or everybody in the world is spending all their time posting stuff whenever you can just sign something, scan it in and send it off, and it's a, basically a copy of the original copy, um, and there shouldn't be any, there really shouldn't be any problem. That should be it, but no, um, that's not been rejected, but we suggested that we would need to send over the original copy as well. And I might be out of step with legal or out of step with um, what's actually required in terms of contractual law. I'd love to know. I'm gonna to need to look up on it, but it seems crazy that you can't just create a signature all online and then have that do as your, your proper your proper signature. Like, look look at the companies in the world, look at the Facebooks, look at the PayPal's, look at the online banks these days, everything that you just don't need to sign things anymore and get them posted off. It's archaic, it's not something that I think needs to happen and, and I think a little bit of common sense and taking a step back and thinking, is this really the most effective use of my time going back and forth with someone uh, about a signature that needs to be posted off. I don't know if it is or not. Um, that is quite a rant for the PDG podcast. I don't think you guys have seen this uh, this side of me before, <laughs> before, but it comes out, especially whenever I feel that time is being wasted. Um, so that's something um, that's important. I think we all need to think about how we're using our time and whether or not it's, it's effective. Um, or you know what, maybe I'm just annoyed that I had to... <laughs> <laughs> to do a bit of work for a change um but yeah that's what happened there so again on another conversation today something happened that was quite cool um you know you've heard of things are better face to face so instead of a phone call or a text message or um an email or a letter or a skype things are better face to face um i've never really wondered why but i was told interestingly by a by someone who deals with um, the neuro, neural networks of recognizing facial patterns and recognizing emotions on someone else's face. And he told me that um, the reason why things are better face-to-face -face and better than online is because our brain works with that 3D, um, being able to see the full um, picture of what someone's saying, um, way, way better than a text message and email or uh, a Skype conversation. Um, it, there's a spectrum here, so an email is not good for delivering news or negotiating something. So it's, it's difficult because it's limited levels of communication. Um, you're not getting the tone, you're not getting the body language, you're not getting any of that. A phone is probably a step up because 
you're getting the tone, but again, you're not getting the body language and you're not getting the full, full picture. Skype is another step up, I think, because it's a video conference call, so that's good. But again, it's very flat and it's two-dimensional and it's a little bit awkward and it's a little bit um, disjoined. Um, I, can, I can see why a face-to-face -face meeting is better and I think that's something that PDG Advertising are going to bring in um, soon where at least we have a, a yearly um, meeting, face-to-face -face meeting with our, our, our customers. It can just feel more efficient and more, more speedy to get things done over a Skype call and I'm sure it is. But I think, um, I think in future we're going to need to install that, uh, that um, system where we actually have face-to-face -face conversations with our customers in the future. Everyone, that's it. I hope you've enjoyed this sharing of the journey. It definitely got a bit salty today and I look forward to resuming normal programming tomorrow as long as I don't see a whole bunch of uh, people recording phone videos for LinkedIn whenever they're driving. Um, can you imagine though? Can you, can you imagine if someone you knew got killed because someone was using their phone while driving? to create a LinkedIn video to put it onto LinkedIn. Could, could you just fathom how, how that would be? Or could you imagine if you did that all because you were trying to do a LinkedIn video? Um, it's not even something that I want to think about and I, and I think it just needs to, needs to end. But enough about that. Have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll be back tomorrow and I look forward to um, going through what's happened throughout the day tomorrow. Bye.